Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Bradford. Baseball isn't boring. Once again, we're out to prove it. Starting the week with a bang. A bang being a retirement podcast. Yes, a retirement podcast. Josh Lindblom joins us on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast to do his first interview since at 1245 on January 12th. He retired. He retired via social media statement. I'll get to that in a second. But before we do, I just want to thank everybody who's been listening to the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast on the socials at BB isn't boring, Instagram, Twitter, and buy the merchandise, they add uh, the baseballs and boring merchandise. And I plead with you, I plead with you to keep doing it, keep doing it, uh, because we got a lot of momentum heading into the season. I want everyone to go subscribe to the baseballs and boring podcast. I want everyone to leave a nice review. I want everyone to listen, leave suggestions, whatever you have to do. We're here to just talk baseball. There's so many different ways to do it. This is why we're doing it. We've had a ton of good guests. I could rattle them off, but maybe I'll put them on social media for two and a half months. But go subscribe. Go rate. Go review. Go do all of that. As I tell my father, I try to explain this to him. If you subscribe to the podcast, what happens is that all of a sudden, when you wake up, because we are we have it up 6 a.m. at least Eastern every day, every single day when you wake up. So if you subscribe, it's going to pop up on your phone. So you open your eyes, you look at your phone, and first thing you see, boom, baseball isn't boring the Baseball is Boring podcast, talking the great game of baseball. And all you have to do is use your finger, hit play. There you go. It's like magic. My 89-year-old dad knows how to do it. You should do it too because it's worth it. It's a great way to start your day. And this is no exception, a great way to start your day. Josh Lindblom was nice enough to jump on board. I didn't really know Josh at all. I had followed his career Certainly in the last couple of years after he came from Korea, won the Cy Young first, then won the MVP second of the Korean League, KBO, and then signed a three-year deal with Milwaukee Brewers. But at 35 years old, he decided to retire. He still had something left in the tank, as he proved. But listen, I found it fascinating. I always find it fascinating what it's like to hit the send button when it comes to retirement. And I want to read his statement, which we'll talk about on the podcast. His statement... This is what he said in his retirement tweet. A good friend of mine asked me before the start of the season, what does it look like to finish well? I woke up every morning for seven months with that question in mind. This is what I realized. Most most of us don't get to choose when we finish. We don't get a chance to write our own endings. But what we can write are all the moments leading up to whatever the finish might be. The fact of the matter is we never know what moment will be the last. Finishing well is about living each day with the end in mind. It's about making the most of whatever moments you have until the end, whether it might be, whenever it might be, arrives. For 30 years of my life, I played a game that taught me about more than balls and strikes, hits and runs, and wins and losses. It taught me about life and made me the person writing this letter. I cannot thank everyone who has impacted me 
impacted the person I have become through the game that I love. So I know this if or know this. If you were a friend or family, a teammate or coach, front office personnel or concession worker, grounds crew or media, fan or child, and we interacted, this letter is for you. And it is my thank you. As for what's next, I might be done, but I'm not finished. And I signed Josh Lindblom. And I think that you hear that letter, you hear that statement. This is what our whole thing is about. Baseball's and boring because it impacts so many different facets of life, including, by the way, when you have to sort of rip the Band-Aid off and start anew. And this is what Josh is doing while reflecting on all the different things that he went through a second round pick traded for some really, really important players making the decision why his wife's still in the hospital after giving birth to go to Korea and then going to Korea, coming back, how baseball is all of it. Like this is not an easy decision. And this is why we wanted to talk to Josh. And he was nice enough to use this forum, to use this podcast to explain exactly why he did what he did and look back about his journey. So I think it's a good one. Once again, thanks to everybody for listening to baseballs and boring stuff. We'll keep going for now. Let's start the week with a good podcast, a good interview, the retirement podcast with Josh Lindblom. All right. Baseball is not boring. And I have proof once again, uh, when you have someone who has committed, I'm going to say like 90% of their life to baseball in their 35 years, <laughs> then you know it's something good, right, Josh? How That's you right. doing, Josh? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, of course, man. Like, listen, it's it's an honor for me to have you. Like, I've been following from afar the last couple of years, certainly. Um, your excellence. Listen, we, when you win an MVP in the league in 2019, just a couple of years ago, you know you're doing something right. So. <laughs> Uh, and then you did that, obviously, in the KBO. But mm-hmm. in case people don't know, you know, Josh, you know, you have a great career that goes back to the 2008 drafting, selected in the second round. And and I want to go through a lot of that. I want to talk a lot about sort of how baseball has changed and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just the other day, um, I don't know how many interviews you've done since you you pushed the button on Twitter. Or yeah, you're, my, you're my first. Oh, actually. there you go. All right. Well, so congrats. I, yeah, I feel I, I, I sincerely feel honored. And so what we're talking about is that you retired just the other day on mm-hmm. social media. And, um, and you know, I Josh is talking with a couple, well, about a month ago, Brock Holt had a similar situation. Mm-hmm. He had to do the same thing. He said, man, like when I push the button, <laughs> when I push the button, when I push the send button on that, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. And so in, this is one of the dynamics I want to talk to you about because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, you know, what what level your career has gone, whether it's a short career, whether it's a long career, whether it's a Hall of Fame career, whatever it is. As I said at the beginning, we're talking about investing, being identified as something, being invested in something and basically saying, OK, I, you know, this is the next part of my life. But it it, it seems maybe logical well okay you end this part you go in the next part but to to say all right you know i have to rip off the band-aid here i have to say i am moving on talk to me a little bit about the decision if you could you know um it's interesting i feel like i've been preparing for this moment uh man i don't for probably since my first year in korea uh you know when i went to korea it wasn't a place you wanted to be like it wasn't a destination going to Asia was kind of like the death sentence on your career at the time. 
Um, so, you know, if, if honestly, it wasn't hard to press send. Uh, really? if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest with myself, uh, I was probably in my mind, I was done last February going into spring training. Um, but knew I had committed to finishing out the year and, you know, I just got to a point, uh, where I wanted to be dad. Um, you know, you do this for so long and I, and I love this game. You know, like you said earlier, I've spent 90% of my life playing it. Uh, but just, I, I was, it was weird talking with a few friends. It's like, I knew that I was ready. Uh, it doesn't make it any easier. You know, it's, we're in the off season now. And I know when I go to pack up my bag, uh, beginning of February, it's going to feel a little weird and there are going to be some emotions in that. But at the same time, um, it was something that I was ready for. Well, so I read an interview, Josh, um, that pro- I think you did maybe at the end of last year. And you were talking a lot about that, about like, you know, I can get off the exit and go home instead of going to the park or whatever yeah. it is. And, and so when you're going through last year, and mm-hmm. and you're spending a year in AAA and you feel like, okay, you know, it, normally you're like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get back. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm in the last year, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a free agent. I'm going to show everybody that uh, my 36, 37, 38. And this mm-hmm. is another part about it, Josh, too, is that the way that the world of baseball is going is pitchers are figuring out more than ever how to pitch in their late 30s, right? Mm-hmm. But for you, it sounds like, hey, you know what? I probably could. But yeah. I want to prioritize yeah, this, this other stuff. Yeah, you know, this is it wasn't really an about ability, I don't think. Um, I could have continued pitching, my body felt fine, my arm felt fine. Um, but you know, just I think just thinking back through my career, there's a lot of I mean, this could probably be a two hour podcast if we were to break down every <laughs> uh every step along the way. Um but there's this weird, weird kind of feeling as a baseball player is like, you don't ever want to think about the end. Um, you don't ever want to think about that day that it comes. Like we need to focus on the moment. But um, so if we rewind a little bit back to 2017, our, our youngest daughter was born with a congenital heart defect. She's had two open heart surgeries. And, you know, I remember vividly in my mind, I looked to my wife and I said, you know, I, I don't need the game anymore. Um, and in that moment, I was freed up to view the end of my career in a different light. And I knew that every day I showed up to the park, well, I was one day closer to the end. And <clears throat> I can point back to that moment <clears throat> of like a career altering trajectory because that was when I started to have success was when I wasn't holding on to the game so tightly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, just the preparation of that, it was, you know, it's weird because it's like, you know, don't think about the end of your career like worry about today. But it wasn't until I started realizing each day that I show up, like I said, I was one day closer to the end. So each day I had to, I had to, was really, really important. Um, and then I was able to let go of, uh, you know, the results. Uh, you mentioned identity earlier. My identity was no longer in the results, how I did, who I was playing for, where I was at. It was about what I, what do I need to do that day to, to be, to get better. So when you, when you're going through this, um, you're mm-hmm. going back to sort of the retirement decision. Did you talk to a lot of people? I mean, about literally just say, Hey, listen, when you retired, 
whether it's mm-hmm. Rick Sweet or like your manager or whoever yeah. it is. Every because almost everybody that you come in contact who's a coach, who's a manager, um, mm-hmm. has gone through this. So yeah. did you did you say what was it like when you pulled the bandaid off? And I and I would imagine that there was a lot of different stories, right? It's mm-hmm. so. What did you talk to a lot of yeah. guys? Yeah, there. I mean, I think just being around the game, um, you see the way guys handle things. Uh, you're able to observe observe those things. Uh, talk with a few a few friends um, about the process. You know, because it is a process. It's you know, there's a grieving process. I think. Uh, like you said, where you were doing one thing and then your life is going now in a completely different direction. Um, and, you know, like any other grief process, it just takes time. Um, and it's something that's unique to each individual, I think. Um, but having people that I could talk to that also were away from the game was really, really beneficial for me. Did you feel so? We had, um, I had on Rick Porcello. Um, couple months ago and i covered rick with the red Sox, mm-hmm. and he sort of just disappeared <laughs> you yeah. know he went after 2020 uh with the mats we just he didn't sign with anyone then he then another year went by and he he just sort of disappeared and and um and he went to build a house I mean, literally with mm-hmm. his hands with his brother up in vermont but he shows up at this uh, event that i'm at and we're just talking, we're doing a podcast. I said, Hey, listen, here's your chance. Say you're retired. Okay. I'm retired. And then next thing you know, like, so the podcast was, he says it's on Friday. The podcast gets released on Monday. And all of a sudden you have all these like tributes, like mm-hmm. Red Sox or former teammates and everything else. It is weird. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that moment. I don't know if you got a lot of that. Cause you, you've played, you, you've impacted a lot of people. Like you yeah. have your career, you impact. Did you get when you pushed? Like you said, it wasn't hard to send, send <clears throat> push send. But was the reaction what you thought it would be, and did you get a lot of reaction? I, you know, honestly, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be. Um, and you know, like you said, I don't. I really is kind of overwhelming um, and humbling, to be honest with you, because I don't like I don't ever fit, like from a career standpoint. Like nobody looks at my career and is like we're going to miss that guy. Like, Oh dang. Um, but like, and then I never felt like I did anything that was that is going to, that was that special, not from a performance standpoint, but I just felt like I was always being myself. Um, and I guess I didn't, I didn't realize how many people, like you said, I had impacted through the course of my career. Um, you know, I, you know, I just didn't, I didn't feel like I had done anything special. It was like, like, it was just one of those things where it was like, my wife was like, you know, there's people that have followed you your whole career. It's been a long time. Like you just need to say something. Um, and she was the one that really encouraged me to to say something. Cause honestly, I probably wouldn't have said anything. I, I would have disappeared like Rick did and been <laughs> totally fine with it. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. I think in, in, I think it was good for Rick, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, I think he was the same mind. Okay. Whatever. But I think it's important and, and you deserve that. And it's interesting to go back to something you said about sort of when you went to Korea and letting it go, people should understand like like your you were you were the guy man like you were a second round pick 2008 um and you were the guy and on top of it i hear here we go we'll do a little like uh do you remember this in your life you were traded for some good guys man like uh, you were you were traded for some good guys can you give me the uh, give me the t- the first two guys you were traded for 
Shane Victorino and Michael Young. That's pretty good. I always I always joke around because that period, I think I was traded like three times in a span of like 18 months. So the joke I always say is like, man, at that point in my life, I didn't know if everybody wanted me or nobody wanted me. <laughs> and then I'm getting and then I'm getting traded to these organizations like Shane Victorino, World Series champion, key part of that World Series team. Michael Young, face of the franchise. Like when you think Texas Rangers, it's like Nolan Ryan, Michael Young, like they're on the Mount Rushmore yep. of the Texas Rangers. Um so it's like I'm going to these like no win situations. Like who's this middle like we're trading this middle reliever for Michael Young? Like let's get serious here. Well, that's how it works too. If you're trading for those guys for those fan bases, like you're in the crosshairs. You know, yeah. we we had a situation in Boston where you know Mookie gets traded. Man, I mean Jeter. Once Jeter downs this guy, I hope he goes off and has a great career. But he was just DFA, and it was just like the, he was like from the get go. Every question is about Mookie, yeah. and I don't yeah. know if you went through that with Victorino and Young, yeah. but did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not you know that whole trade process is not easy, especially for being you know I was it was my first full year in the big leagues when I got traded, and um, yeah, it's just mentally, it's I mean that that process. You know, this is like our life this is our livelihood. Uh, our entire lives revolve around this. And then to be, I don't think people understand outside looking in how devastating of a process that can be on both ends and then how hard it is to transition and have to still perform. Um, it just adds to the complexity of it. Well, it, it, you know, <clears throat> it dovetails with what you were talking about with, with the pressure and the mentality of the game. And real quick, I want to throw in one more name that you were sort of affixed to um, who was DFA'd. So you could get called called up. Do you remember this with the Rangers? Uh, Derek Lowe. Derek Lowe. Another good one. Funny, funny. Derek Lowe was probably more influential in my career moving from the bullpen to the rotation um, than anyone, like any player and teammate. I'm, I, I get a text message, Derek Lowe, Derek gets DFA'd. Derek's sitting in the airport watching me pitch, send me a picture of me pitching on TV, telling me how happy he was for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Derek, I mean, Derek's unbelievable teammate. Unbelievable. So so when, love, you, talk, when, Derek you, when you talk about the impact that he had on, like, what was, what was some of the, <clears throat> did you we, pitch, pitch the same way or how, how did, how did that whole so, manifest itself? So, uh, Texas Rangers, I get traded. I'm in the bullpen. I have a terrible spring training. Last day of spring training, they bring me in. We're in San Antonio um, playing in the San Antonio Dome or whatever exhibition game. They bring me in the office. Josh, you're not going to be on the team. We want you to start. And I'm like, I've only ever been a reliever. Like, what? Start. So I go out. Derek and I were sitting at this card table. And I'm like, Derek, do you want me to start? He's like, do it. I was like, I don't have a routine. I don't know what to do. I, like, what? I'm not going to be good at this. We, he sits down. I wish I kept the piece of paper. He wrote down pretty much. He's like, this is what you're going to do day by day. And to the end of my career, I pretty much followed that routine. So for from 2000, that had been 13 through 2000, so nine, 10 years, I did the same routine. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Derek's great. Yeah. I mean, it's. And that's 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 pretty good, I, and I do wish you kept that. Because, yeah, oh, I mean, it's, but, but still, it's in your head, so that's good enough. Um, yeah. 
But, you know, when you when we're talking about this second round pick traded for all these guys um, in and then you said you sort of flipped the switch when you went to Korea. But was it you look back about thinking about how heavy that was? And because this is this is a fascinating sort of part of baseball, the mentality of it. We I mean, we just last week we had in Daniel Bard, who's the ultimate. I mean, the mm-hmm. ultimate, like you talk about powering through something. Yeah. Be maybe the only documented like guy to come out on the other side of yips. So mm-hmm. I mean, but for you, can you think back about like how heavy that was? Uh, going to Korea. Well, no, just about or, like how heavy it was about like the expectations before yeah. before you went and before you said, okay, you know, I, I'm just I got I'm more going to worry about my family. I'm going to worry. I'm going to yeah. do my best. And but you know, it, the, it's just yeah, a whole was, different mentality. Yeah, it was. I think in the moment, I didn't realize the magnitude of it. Um, but looking back, I can see how big of a deal I had made it to be because it was important. You know, you have dreams, you have goals, you have aspirations of being, a, you know, playing 10 years in the big leagues, having a Hall of Fame career. And to kind of see you're bouncing around, you know, you start to become this like journeyman type player. Um and then, you know, that last trade, or I guess it would have been I was designated when I was with Oakland. The opportunity to Korea came up. You know, we have a daughter that's 18 months. We have a son that's eight days old. And it's like, what do we do as a family? Like, we have 24 hours to make this decision. You know, the team's going to pull the offer. What do we do? And it ended up being the best, the best decision that we made as a family. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, old. There's a there's there's another podcast. Actually, it's probably about eight hours old now that I think about it. Um, but I mean, there's another podcast for you. Just in that the hospital room negotiations with my wife holding our newborn. Hey, are we going to move all the way across the world to go to Korea? All right, so play? so we don't we don't have to do eight hours, but let's do like yeah. okay. So your wife is in the hospital room. Yep, with your son. Our with, son. Okay. So yeah. So December. December 16th, my agent calls me and says, hey, you might have an opportunity to go to Korea. We're discussing with them right now. We don't know how it's going to play out. December 17th, uh, we go in at like 5 in the morning to have our son. He's born around maybe it was 11, I think. Um, and we get to the room after she has him, and it's probably like 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And my agent's like, hey, we have an offer from the Korean team but we have 24 hours to decide or they're pulling the offer and they're going to offer it to somebody else. And this was so for more mo- this is for more money than you did ever. Oh made. yeah. 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 And you know, so we're on, I'm on Google. I'm like, where is Busan, South Korea? Like, am I going to a third world country? Like, am I going to have running water? Like I had, I knew nothing about Korea. Uh, and just having to make that decision as a family was, was hard, but you know, we had decided with all those trades, it was like, well, at least we know where I'm going to be. And if I stink, then they're just going to send me back home. Um, but for the time being, we're going to be in Korea, the size of Mississippi. We can make it work even with a newborn. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, did you know when you got that, when you started playing there, <laughs> did you know, and whether maybe it was because of your mentality, like you said, you sort of had let go a little bit, prioritize other things or maybe it's just the way that they play it. I don't know. Did you feel like, okay, you know what? I found a groove right away. I mean, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be pretty good here. Um, 
Yes and no. Uh, you know, the mentality, I remember having a conversation with somebody that had been there for a few years and they said, you know, the mindset you have when you go to Asia has, has to be, I'm going to finish my career here. Like you can't have one foot in Korea and one foot in the United States because you, you can't perform that way. And so um, my mindset was to be there for as long as I could, embrace the culture, embrace my teammates, embrace the fans, embrace the city, just like kind of like embrace everything. And I had some, my first year I had some success. Uh, I was pretty successful. My second year I was terrible. Um, and somehow they wanted to bring me back, but that was when we had our daughter. So I decided to stay in the U S. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just really, you know, I remember the first game that I pitched, I felt like my heart was going to beat out of my chest because of the atmosphere. And I'm like, this is a regular <laughs> season game. This is unbelievable. So the atmosphere, I mean, I just, it, probably some of my most memorable experiences were in Korea as a, as a baseball player. When, so you, like I said, in 2019, when you won the MVP, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it must be something to, to dominate a league, no matter what it is, right? To yeah. dominate, to basically be at the top of the mountain, to be walked down. I don't know if like what it was like to walk down the street. Said, oh, yeah. you know, there's there's the best pitcher in the league. I mean, what was what mm-hmm. was that? Because that's that's I, I don't need to tell you this. This is a whole lot different than you know being in whatever Albuquerque or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? So yeah, what was well, that the, like? I mean, go you can even go back to 2018. You know, I won their equivalent of the Cy Young in 2018. So here I am, you know, I think I had won like 15 or 16 games that year. Uh, I had a two ERA, um, two something ERA. And so like coming in in 2019, I'm like, I can't do any better than that. Like, are you like, how am I going to do any better than I did the year before? Well, that I did. I won 20 games. I had a lower ERA. Um, you know, innings pitched. Every, all my numbers were way better. And, you know, you're in a, you're in a, like I said, you're in a country the size of about Mississippi. There's 10 teams. You're on TV every night. I'm on the, one of the most well known teams in the country. And we live in Times Square of Korea, basically. <laughs> and so, like, I'm going down, I'm getting on the, one of the busiest uh, train stops. So I took, I rode the train to the field every day, one stop. So I'm on the train, like, I, you know, we couldn't go out without people, you know, I, I stick out, you know, I'm a big guy <laughs> yeah. uh, and you're on TV. And so it, it was, man, it was, it was a lot of fun. You uh, a lot of free stuff. I, I always uh-huh. free. a lot of free stuff. We, none of the free stuff fit me. So it was disappointing. Everything was too, <laughs> everything was too small. <laughs> it's the thought um, that counts. So. We'd get some, we'd get some, uh, they, they bring the, honestly, they like my kids more than they like me. So like we, they'd always bring us like free sodas and stuff for the kids. And we go nice. to dinner. So, so, so then I, I remember when, you know, you were a free agent and you came back and was, there was a lot of talk. Mm-hmm. about you know this is this is going to be a guy who is really going to be a great acquisition for someone you know when mm-hmm. we go down the free agent list every off season where i always identifying people like and you were one mm-hmm. of them your name kept coming up so you come back to milwaukee and so how had um 
baseball, major league baseball changed since you left or had it? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's a lot younger, you know, being my, I think my first or second spring training, I was one of the oldest players that would have been what, 32, Mm -hmm. 31 or 32 at that point. And that was like, you know, guys were just hitting their prime 31, 32. (laughs) That was like what, you know, our entire roster was made up. My first year at the Dodgers, like 30 year olds. So, uh, and then, you know, the, you know, i I kind of left right on the cusp of like the analytics. Yeah. So I learned some of it in Korea when I was there, but, you know, much more prevalent. Um, the way decisions are made, the way, you know, game plans are, are put together. Uh, there's just a lot more, more data now. Um, so that's, I mean, those are the two primary, primary differences. But did, did you yeah. like it? I mean, did you? I mean, this is this is maybe we talk about eight hour podcast. I mean, this is yeah you know, where baseball's going and the good and the bad. And we in analytics yeah. obviously creeps into it about you know the delivering of analytics. Is it too much? Is it too little? Whatever it is, what was your what was your take on on where baseball where you found baseball was going? Just mm-hmm. from and it doesn't have to be right or wrong. It's just your opinion. Yeah. You know, you know, I think like anything, I think there's ebbs and flows to life. Um, And so what maybe on the front end, there might have been like an over, uh, over, they overvalued some of the analytics and, you know, the, the quantitative side of analytics and they're, they lost the qualitative. Um, and so what I think teams are seeing now maybe is that the quantitative stuff is good. It's great to have data. It's great to have, you know, to develop information that you can use in decision-making, but you also need that qualitative, like the intangibles, the stuff that can't be measured. Um, the stuff that, you know, guys that have watched thousands and thousands of baseball games, the stuff that they get to see, uh, they feel, they sense. Um, so I think I'm, you're starting to see kind of like this blend of you have people that understand the data, but you also have baseball people. Hmm. And now those are starting to blend together, which I think is going to be really, really neat for baseball moving forward. Um, just because it, you know, the data is a tool. Analytics are a tool, just like anything else. Um, and when you utilize the right tool in the right situation, it can make for great outcomes and results. Oh man, I'm so glad you said that. Like, I, I am a hundred percent with you, and and I think it's cyclical, right? I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I've talked to guys about this because one of the biggest conversations is is clubhouse like dynamics. And you know, I'm gonna bring the second time we're gonna bring up Porcello. Well, Porcello was a perfect example of this. This guy was a leader on the team. This guy was mm-hmm. a guy, a leader in the rotation. But the way that baseball was going, not only in terms of spin rate stuff, but in terms of when he left, it was oh, you can't throw a two seamer. That's you can't just do mm-hmm. that. You know, you have to and 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 I've talked a lot about a lot of guys about clubhouse, the importance of clubhouse guys, and how you're going to prioritize the guy with the uh, the really really good measurables who has the six ERA over mm-hmm. the, the guy mm-hmm. who maybe you've had results or just as a good guy that you know is going to get you through the season. Um, mm-hmm. So I and I do agree with you. I think that it's seeing some of the acquisitions and some of these analytically based teams. I mean, I don't know if you see the same thing. I see that that they're picking up a, a few more of these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's important. You know, as the game moves, 
younger and younger and younger. Um, you know, we have, I think about a triple A last year, we had a huge number of guys that were under 23, 24 years old. Well, development doesn't stop when you get to the big leagues. Like you don't just show up day one and you're a big leaguer. And, but so you need people that have been there. You need people to help guide them along that process. And, you know, that's what I was so lucky to have. Like, you know, I think about I was with the Dodgers. Mm. I mean, we had Chad Billingsley, Ted Lilly, you know, Kershaw had been there for three or four years. But like before that, he had had, you know, Greg Maddox and played with, you know, we had Hoki, Hiroki Kuroto when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get traded to Philly and it's like Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels, Jonathan Pavelbon, you know, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard. Then you go to Texas, guys like Derek Lowe. And like you, the list goes on and on and on. And I think about how lucky I was to have those people in my career. And as you've seen the game move younger, you lose out. You, you almost arrest the development of younger guys because they don't have anybody that's gone ahead of them now to help teach them and help show them. So, it, you know, for organizations, I think it's really, really important to have those types of guys helping in those roles. Oh, yeah, it's such a good point. And by the way, I'm going to tell Papelbon you mentioned his name. That'll make him feel uh, good. Uh, uh, Jonathan, he'd give me rides home after games when I got traded to Philly. He'd, we'd always stop at this little diner in Philly. Um, but he's great. Uh, he was he was so good to me. Um, so he was really, really good well, to me a, when I was a, there. A, he's our fishing, um gambling correspondent for the Baseballs and Boring brand. And B, he's also in our fantasy football league, um, which probably Kyle Kendrickson, he was a former Philly. Yep. Um, Kyle yes. played with Kyle. Yeah. yeah, Kyle Kendrick, Mike yep. Adams was former Philly. So they were all in it. They all lost. Um, Papelbon, <laughs> um, yes. he. Uh, as you can imagine, the text chains are not for public consumption. Oh, no, they would they they not be. That's, no. I mean, that's one of the things, you know, I loved about Jonathan was that, like, it was when you, whatever you see on TV is what you get <laughs> in real life. Like there's no, there's no, it's just him. You know, that's what I loved about him. It's like, Oh, what do you think? Like, I'm like, it's him. It's just, that's when you, you know, it's eye to eye. It's intense, you know? So I, he was really, really good to me. when I was Yeah. I, I've always said this covering and not that anyone cares, but you know, I always said this covering people, covering athletes, everyone's flawed, right? Everybody's flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But and everyone comes from different backgrounds. I can't go into a clubhouse and say, "Hey, everyone's from Essex, Massachusetts." No, you know. Mm-hmm. But I dislike genuine people. Like I yeah. cover Ortiz, honestly, that's what I liked about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he got in trouble sometimes for being genuine, but he was a mm-hmm. genuine guy. He said what he yeah. said, you know. And mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys, like Papelbon, um, guy, just we just did the book together. Joe Kelly was another one. I mean, just they they are who they are. That's all I ask. Mm-hmm. That's all yep. I ask. Yep. Um, so, uh, so where do you go from here? Like, so like you had, um, said, you know, this is just the beginning, um, which it is. Yeah. This is one of the things. And if, 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 if we here at the baseballs and boring brand can help in any form or fashion, we are here for you. Um, but what do you want to do? Uh, first thing is I need to set up either a one, three, one or a five out offense for my, uh, nine year old daughter's basketball team. Ooh. So if, you know, if you know anybody, if you know anybody well, that needs that wants to help install that with me, listen, 
I think there is a reason we're doing this podcast. I am a varsity high school basketball coach. So yes. um <laughs> I will uh this is speaking of eight hour eight hour podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's you know, I've as as my career went on, you know, when our kids were younger, we took them wherever we wanted. Uh you know, we just could do that. They didn't have sounds terrible, but you know, they didn't have really have friends, they didn't have activities. It was just like they were just with, with us. And then last year, you know, they're in our daughter's playing softball, our son's playing baseball, our youngest daughter's in T-ball. Um, and just missing out on that stuff. Uh, you know, it was only one year, but um, I'm just, I'm so excited to be there for that now. Oh, man. You know, so coaching's, coaching's addictive, I, man. It's the I, best. Man, I love it. It's so much, especially with the younger kids, it's so much fun to see the progress and development. I love it. So we're, we're in our second session of basketball right now. Uh, I feel like we have basketball practice nine nights a week at this point, but <laughs> but it's fun. We're in Indiana. You got to play basketball in Indiana, uh, right? Uh, I mean, that's what you yeah. do. Come on, that's what we do. Absolutely, absolutely. So you were were you a good hoop player in high school? I I played intramurals. Oh oh oh, yeah. in college. No, in high, oh, school. In high school we had intramural. Yeah, we had. Oh inter- man, that is serious high school yeah. basketball. Yeah, I wish basketball. I mean, I, I was only in one sport when I got to high school. I just played one sport. Okay, I wish that's like what my one regret is that I wish I'd have played football and basketball in high school. I just okay. didn't want to do the condi- I didn't want to do the conditioning for basketball. That's that's, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I told our our high school basketball coach was my accounting teacher, and I was like, if I can come and not do the conditioning, I'm. I'll do it. I just don't want. (laughs) It's what every it's what every coach wants to hear. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, from a from a fourteen year old kid. Yeah, coach, I'm setting the. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good with the running because you know in basketball when you need to run. Come on, I mean seriously. Ever. Um, Ever. So so after you get through basketball season, is there anything you want to do? Do you want to get into coaching? Do you want to get into broadcasting? Do you want to get into podcasting? Do you want to? What do you want to do? I just I I signed a two year deal with our little league. Pay is not very good. I'm the president of our little league, so I'm going to be president. Be handling that, yeah, president. Oh, that was a bad move. So, that's a uh, lot of administrative think? work. Nah, it's good. I love it. I love it already. It's fun. You have to deal with so the umpires. Far. You have to like the. Yeah, so, I don't know. We'll, I'll take some time to figure that out. Um, I, you know, I think I want to be around the game. Um, mm. I think I have something to offer, maybe. But you know, there's still a lot of really good relationships that I have with guys that I've played with and. Just continuing to talk to those guys, uh, be an ear for them is that's what I love to do. Uh, love to help guys, younger players. And I'm sure there'll be something for me in that regard. So oh, there's no question. Point. Like you said, I mean, you've touched so many people's lives and, and careers. And, and, um, and that, that means a lot to, as you found out when you, you released retirement, I mean, it means a lot mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you were able to to sort of experience that. And, and most importantly, I'm glad that you're able to come on the podcast. Yeah, so if you, no, if you, appreciate if you ever it. want to talk, if you ever want to talk baseball, listen, we might need to talk basketball. Girl, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. That's the post show podcast. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. All right. After Josh. hours. <laughs>